Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Today as well, before I introduce our speaker, I, I don't take too much of his time as well. Uh, today, um, he, he's here with us for this series called Preparing for God's Move. And please prepare your hearts for the service, uh, for the sermon later on. Some of you are also wondering, when is our vision series for this year? The vision series will come up in February after Chinese New Year, for those who are, who are wondering. And before um, uh, he speaks as well, just a quick announcement. The 2023 calendar highlights for this year is available at rlc.sg slash 2023. So that's our calendar for this year. So it is my joy today to introduce our speaker, Pastor David Lim. And I've known him when he was a university student. And, and many, are like our, our, our young people there, I, I've known him like your age. And I've seen him grow up, um, get a job, get married, and I have four children. So he has uh, double of my anointing already. And today, today he's here. Yeah, Pastor David is no stranger to River Life. He's spoken in our equipping series, in our Chinese services, and first time in our EA service. He uh, actually served at a moment as the academic dean of the Assembly of God, or ex-Bible College, married to Shufen, Hannah, and their four wonderful children. So let's welcome Pastor David as he brings the Word of God to all of us. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Morning. Uh, it looks different because when we had the equipping class, right, it was at night. Okay, now it's a bit different. Yesterday, I had a long day yesterday. Yesterday, I was teaching whole day, uh, 8.30 to 10 o'clock p.m. Okay? It was a long day. But in the middle of the day, right, I received a message. I was like trying to glance at it as, as I was teaching and it was a bit heart-wrenching. Uh, because my wife was telling me about how my kids, the twins, I have a pair of twins, they are six going seven, they entered primary school, and he was telling me how they cried because they don't want to go to school. I said, oh, okay, they, were, they were having some enrichment class, and, oh, and, then, and then my wife was reflecting and saying, oh, maybe because there were so many changes going through their life just this one week alone. This one week, they changed, we changed to a different center, we used to worship at our Northeast Center. Now we shifted back to the West Center near our house. And now suddenly all their favorite Sunday school teachers are gone. Oh, they have faced a new set of Sunday school teachers. They no longer see their kindergarten teachers, which have, they've been with their life for so many years. And suddenly they don't see them anymore. And then suddenly they face a new school. And to make matter worse, right, their favorite jie jie entered secondary one. So no longer in their Sunday school. Now they entered youth. And oh, now every, I was telling my wife, no, every significant relationship in their life suddenly disappeared. The only constant is God, their parents, and thank God they are twins. So they still have one another. Oh, that was the only, con that was the only consolation. Like, at least right, whenever they are anxious, they are afraid, they look, hey, you're still here. <laughs> okay. but, but the reality is this. Isn't it true? As I was reflecting this morning, as I was preparing, I was reflecting, wow, even my kids is my sermon illustration, <laughs> right? Many of us prefer the status quo in life. Isn't it true? Even young kids understand that. They, they prefer 
the same old thing because it's so predictable, it is so comfortable, it is so secure. Many of us prefer status quo in life. Changes make all of us anxious. Changes make my children anxious. But our problem that unfortunately or fortunately is that we serve a God that is constantly doing new things. You know how that thing clash? We prefer the same old thing because it feels safe. And yet God is a God that constantly do new things. And we constantly wrestle because God wants to do something new and we want to stay at something old. God wants to do something new to advance His purposes. But we want the same old thing because we want to feel safe. And this is the, this is the problem. We are all largely creatures of habits. We want security. And this whole entire sermon series basically revolves around the idea, what should we do when God unveils to us a new direction in our life? What should we do when God unveils a new way of doing something? What should we do when God is moving on ahead and doing something new, both in our lives, in our family, and sometimes in our whole church? How, how do we follow God into the unknown. How do we follow God into the unknown? And today we're going to share with you a message. I understand last week, Elder Yang was sharing with you from the book of Deuteronomy. And today we're going to follow on from that story and we're going to come and look at how to follow God into the unknown in the very next book, the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. As you look at the book, right, this is a group of people that were going through a lot of new things. They were heading into a lot of unknowns. You must understand, right, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, who have led them through the wilderness for the last 40 years, just passed on. Can you imagine you see the same leader in your life for the past 40 years? Like, he is the constant thing you see every Sunday morning. Oh, everything changed, the colour of the carpet changed, the colour of the seat changed, aircon changed, venue changed, but the pastor remained the same. For 40 over years, Moses had led them when he was 80 all the way until 120, and then he passed on. And now, Joshua, the book of Joshua, they are in a situation where the entire Israelite community, they have followed this leader for the last 40 years, and now they face a new leader. Something unknown. How is this leader going to be like? They were going into a new place. 40 years wandering in the wilderness in Sinai and now they are heading finally into the land of Canaan. They need to take up new responsibilities, unknown responsibilities, things they have never really done before. They need to start to fight. They need to start to organize themselves into armies to attack cities to conquer the land that the Lord has commanded them to enter. They need to take up new responsibilities. They need to face new dangers and enemies. These are people in the city. These are places they've never been before. And finally, in the city, they will be facing new temptations. Things they never have to worry about. Things they never have to be wary about. They were facing new temptations, new challenges. Everything will be new. And this is the stage of Israel at the point of this passage, Joshua chapter 3. 
This was the situation. Can you imagine if you are there, right? You are one of the Israelites. I'm sure, right, you will feel like my kid. Everywhere you turn, something is new. Like, wow. Every new thing must happen at that one season of their life. And then now, they were at this juncture. And this story, Joshua chapter 3, find us right before they cross the Jordan River. And some of us know the story. The moment they cross over, they are ready to enter the land. And this is just before. This is the very end, right before they face those challenges. And in this whole entire account, God was preparing them. I'm going to lead you into the unknown. Once you cross over, everything before are things familiar. Right? These are places we have been before. We have stayed here for quite a while. You know this place. But the moment we cross over, it will be a brand new thing. Everybody will feel anxious. Everybody will be uncertain because once you cross over, once you cross over, those are the unknown. And this is the story, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 8. If you have the map, right, you can see, this is roughly where they were. Okay, this is the river, the very next one. They, they were actually somewhere now there at Shittim. In the map at Shittim. And they were trying to go down a certain plain, plain of Moab, in order to cross over. And you can see once they cross Jordan River. And, and you must understand in the Old Testament, the eastern side of the river, which is where they are right now, were never intended for them as a promised land. We understand that two and a half tribe of Israel stayed there, but it was never intended. The original intention has always been the western bank. The western side of the river was the promised land. This is the boundary. You cross over, that is where God is leading you. And this is important. I want to stress that because at the end, right, I, I felt strongly in my heart that part of the message today will be this. Uh, but let's move on. And they are going to cross over and they are going to enter Jericho. So let me let us read the passage together. Chapter, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, all the way to verse 8. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 8. We will, let's stand together. Is it okay? Can we stand? Let's stand together as we read this together. But what we're going to do, what we're going to do is that I will read the narrative, the stories. Okay, I need all of us, as we come, every time we come to a quotation, every time we see a speech, we will read together. Is it okay? I will read the, the narrative and the rest of us will join together and we will read all the passage that is speeches. Okay, let us start. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 8. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and they went to Jordan, the river, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. And let's go. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move up from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Verse 6, Joshua told and said to the priest, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up 
and he went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, finally, Today I will begin to exhort you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the rivers, river, go and stand in the river. Let us pray. Father, today as we come before you as a church, as individuals, Lord, we are facing a lot of unknowns in front of us. But Lord, we know you are already there. And we pray, Father Lord, through this message, through your word, Lord, you will speak to our hearts. For those who are anxious, oh Lord, you will speak to us. For those who are uncertain, you will speak to us. For those of us who are raring to go, you will encourage us. And Lord, we pray your word will do your work today. And all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's be seated. Thank you. Today we want to learn from Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 8, how to follow God into the unknown. Following God into the unknown. And the very first thing we can see, the very first thing we see that the passage was preparing us forward, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 4. The first thing we learn from this passage is that we need to be alert in order to follow God's leading. I know it's like, huh, obviously. Right, you need to be alert to follow God's leading. God is leading us into the unknown, but for us, we need to prepare by staying alert in order to follow God's leading. And you turn your passage to chapter 3, verse 3 to verse 4. Verse 3 to verse 4. This was after the setting, they were there, and, the set, and, and remember the passage emphasizes, you must understand this, you must remember the instructions. Why? Because you have never been here before. Some of us are in this situation, in this stage of our life. You are heading into a new space. Just now we welcome a group of young people into the service. This is totally unknown to you. Some of the faces look familiar, but the way of ministry perhaps are different. You're going into an unknown. You're going into a place where you have never been before and you feel anxious. You go, how, how do I follow your leading? The first thing, the people were giving orders to the people. And you must understand there's three groups of people in this whole story. Three particular groups. One, Joshua. Joshua is there. You have the priests and the leaders of the group, like your, your, LG, your cell leaders. And then you have the rest of the people, everybody else. And this is the leaders giving instructions to everybody else. Everybody, you need to be aware. You need to understand. When you, when you, everybody... So this is not about the leaders. This is not like leaders, you have to pray for God's vision for the church. It's about every single one of us. You say, every one of you, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, the leaders will be carrying it. They'll be carrying a, a vision that God has installed for us. When you see all that, you, every single one of us, you are to move out from your positions to follow it. And that was the responsibility of everybody. It is the responsibility of everybody to stay alert to follow God's leading. This is not a leader's thing. Amen? This is every single one of us. Every single one. You must understand in that time, right? How many were there in the wilderness? How many people? How many people? Close to three million. How many of you just now, when Pastor Ben was like calling out for, I think a brother there, right? How many of you were like, 
<laughs> How many are doing that? You are turning around and like, where, 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 where? And someone have to wave like crazy. Oh, there, there, there. And even there, you're like, where, where, where? Right? This is how many people? This is nowhere near 3 million. This is nowhere near 3 million. Can you imagine staying together with 3 million people? And do you know how big the Ark of the Covenant is? Not that big. Okay, maybe. And you're trying to, where? Where is the Ark of the Covenant? You can imagine the situation. You can imagine why. Why the leaders were instructing the people. You have to stay alert. You're not talking about a jumbo jet flying through the sky. Right? If a jumbo jet flies through the sky, you don't need to stay alert. You will see it. Right? When you follow the leading of God, you're not going to be like, whoa, oh, oh, obviously, right? Everybody will know when a jumbo jet flies by. But this is talking about the Ark of the Covenant going by and walking through in the midst of three million people. They're going to camp in a certain area. When they camp, the thing will be more spread out. The Ark of the Covenant will be right in the middle. The only saving grace is that you roughly know which direction it is. Okay, at least you don't have to like, where, where? You know roughly it will be there. They are always camped in the same direction. Every other tribe, you will stay always there. This direction facing the Ark of the Covenant. But the problem is this, you don't know when we are leaving. That was what was happening. They have practiced this actually. They have practiced this for 38 years walking around in the wilderness. They have practiced already. They have done that many times. And the instruction in the book of Numbers is that, hey, you don't know. We are not going to stay here forever. Sometimes you will stay in a place for one month. Sometimes you will stay for three months. Sometimes you will stay for a year. Okay, the most logical reason, because they have herds, livestock. Okay, we eat the grass until the grass finish. Lah. Right? Once it's finished, it's time to go. Then the Lord will move off and then we set out and we find another place where there's enough grassland. The Lord will lead like a shepherd, will lead us to a place, enough grassland, we settle down, okay, all the sheep can go ahead and enjoy yourself. Finish, we go again. Can you imagine the feeling? Now the problem with this, how many of you have young kids? Young kids that the kids is so young, you know, Anna, kids are so young, and you hold their hand and you cross the road. Ask yourself, any parent who have ever held a young kid to cross the road, where are your eyes? Where are your eyes? Do you look at them? No, right? You look at them, where's the car? Oh, you won't know the car. But do you just look at the car? Do you just like that? And hope that they are still there? What do you do? You, one eye forward, one eye Mothers understand this, right? One eye forward, one eye back. One eye forward, one back. One eye forward, one eye back. Right? You are constantly making sure you see the traffic and you'll see your kid. And this was the problem. Can you imagine you are stationed in this wilderness? You have a lot of things to do, right? Remember, you're stationed in the wilderness. You're not like stick in a tent, la kopi, uh, wait until the thing go. You have a lot of things to do. You're taking care of your kids. You're taking care of the flock. You're doing your regular duties. The Ark of the Covenant moving away is the easiest thing to not go to go unnoticed. You are working, your children, your baby crying, and the Ark of the Covenant went by. 
It is very easy for the Ark of the Covenant to just move away and if you are not alert, if you are not constantly looking at your kid, looking at the traffic, looking at your kid, looking at the traffic, it is very easy. If you just preoccupied with what you are doing, it is very possible for the Ark of the Covenant to move on. Everybody start to pack. Hey, what happened? Why are you going? Why are you going? Ah, go with it. Okay, 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 okay. It is very possible for you to not notice the Ark of the Covenant moving away. A small Ark of the Covenant with a group of people in the midst of 3 million people while you are busy taking care of your everyday tasks. Isn't that how we go through life many times? Sometimes on a Vision Sunday, next month, right? Vision Sunday, we talk about God, you are leading us as a church. And you're there, you're praying, and you sense the call of God. God, you're leading me somewhere. And then that was the time everybody would raise their hand. We were, Amen! And then we were, Let's go! And then March come in, April, May, holidays, July, August, and then suddenly, right, you are busy preparing for your kids' exam, you're preparing planning for your holiday, you're trying to troubleshoot the work, fight fire at your, your, your things that you have to do. And then suddenly, right, what, what was the vision again? Where, where are we going? And then the Lord just left and we didn't even notice. And this was the reason why right from the beginning, the very first instruction that the leaders gave the people, you, are, you have a lot of... Remember, God is in no way saying, neglect your flock, neglect your children, just, just stay, nothing to do, right? Just put a chair, look at the direction and do this. I'm, I will definitely see you when you leave. That is not what God is saying. God is not saying, don't care about your children, don't care about your work. Just stare at where God is doing. Because we have responsibilities in life. But while you are doing it, don't get so distracted that you don't see God moving on. Does it make sense to you? One eye on your earthly responsibilities, but always make sure one eye to the leading of God. One eye to your children, to your work, and one eye always to the leading of God. And this is the reality. You must be able to see the leading of God before you can follow, right? How do you follow what you don't even know has left? How do you follow? A lot of us understand we want to follow God's leading. That's what we want. We want to follow God's leading, but the reality is this. But do you notice it when God is leading? For example, the most simplest and clearest example many of us will understand. Over the last three years have been tough for many buddy, everyone. Isn't it true? Over the last three years, we have a lot of things that we are thinking about. Our children how, our work how, how are we going to do with the church now, how are things going to go on. Over the last three years, there were a lot of changes and we were worried about a lot of things. But how many of us actually stop and pray and ask, God, what are you doing? God, where are you leading us? God, are you doing something so that we can see and we can follow? Or are we sometimes like so occupied with, oh, how do I handle this? How do I solve my problem? How do I take care? And then you forget that God is leading us somewhere. You, you actually imagine, right, that God somehow paused. Hey, by the way, I know leading, pause. Okay, now you can do whatever you want, worry. After you're finished worrying, everything settle down, then we continue the, the purposes of God. Does God's purpose ever pause? God's purposes forges on ahead. 
our problem is that not that God is not moving, it's very often we don't see. We are not alert to see what God is doing in our life. So the question we have to ask ourselves, over the last two, three years, as you handle all these challenges, new, maybe some of us step into parenthood, some of us step into a new job, step into a new ministry, in the midst of all these changes and your worry whether you're able to do well, do you still stop and say, God, am I still following where you're leading? Am I still on track? Or have I been so distracted that I'm already deviating from where you're going? Do I still see what God is doing in my life, in the church? And this is, this is how, how does God lead us? John chapter 10, verse 3 to verse 4, remind us that the, the, the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd. God is our shepherd, right? And the sheep listens to his voice. He calls out his sheep by name, leads them out when he has brought all, brought all his own. What did he do? The shepherd goes on ahead. You must understand why, right? Remember, if you remember some of the classes we went through, right? Sheep are long or short-sighted. Short-sighted. Okay, we always use this illustration many times already. Do you realize why some of us have been to New Zealand before? Do you realize New Zealand don't really need a shepherd? When you, when you Google and you put uh, a sheep in New Zealand, what is the most obvious scene you will see? A lot of sheep and a sheepdog. Right? You see a sheepdog. You don't see a shepherd running around. Right? You see a sheepdog. Why? Because you don't need, really need a shepherd. You probably need a ranch owner. And then you need a dog. Why? Because there are grass all over the place. You don't need to lead a sheep where there are grass all over the place. You just need to have a fence open your gate, enjoy your buffet. They eat, 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 finish, 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 finish. Come home. Don't want, I still want to eat. Come home. Don't want, I still want to eat. Boy, go. All come home, done. That's all you need. You don't need a shepherd. But that's very different in the Middle East. Why? Middle East don't have such a grass patch. You have a grass patch three kilometers away. Then what happened? Remember, sheep are short-sighted. They can only see the here and the now. Now you, you, you marvel at the picture. God is our, because humans are, we can only see the here and the now. But the shepherd can see a grass patch three kilometers away. But to bring you there, you might have to pass through the valleys, you might have to pass through wilderness, you might have to walk long distances and asking yourself, where's the grass, where's the grass, where's the grass, where's the grass, where God don't have, don't have, don't have, are we there yet, are we there yet, are we there yet? And then your shepherd will say, just follow me. I will go on ahead, all you need to do, listen to my voice, I will go on ahead, you follow, you will reach there. Right? You will reach there and that's how the sheep follow the shepherd. And the Lord wants to lead us. The Lord wants to lead us. The Lord don't want us to be led by our circumstances. He doesn't want us to be just following the same old, just bury ourselves in the things we need to do. The Lord is actively leading every single one of us. Do we believe in that? Do we believe that as we pray in the midst of all our circumstances, 
the Lord is leading each and every one of us as a good and loving shepherd because He knows for you and for the church, where is the glass patch? It, it may not be tomorrow. It will be a while sometime, but He knows where it is. And you have to follow the grass patch, follow the lead. The sheep will follow Him because they know His voice. You recognize this is who He is. I don't see the result, but I'm going to follow that voice. That's one way of leading. Some of us right, have been to Taiwan before, especially some of the local army guys have been there, Taiwan. And you probably might have seen another picture, cows. Right? I was in the full army order, battle order, those gear, and there was this whole bunch of cows eating grass. We are heavily armored. We walk by a lot of people, and the cow simply don't care. Eat their grass. Are we like that? And this is what the passage says Psalms 32, verse 8 to verse 9. Good picture, sheep. Bad picture, a horse or a mule. He says, I will instruct you. God says to the Israelites, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will lead you. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. God desires to lead every single one of us. God desires to lead His church. But technically, there's two ways to lead you. Does it make sense? There's two ways to lead. God, walk on ahead. Trust me, come. Okay, go. That's one way to lead. We willingly follow the voice. We hunt and be alert to the voice and we just follow. Another way to lead you. God must put some things in your life before you will turn. God must let you feel certain loss before you will repent. God will let you encounter something before you will suddenly wake up and say, God, you have been there. There's two ways to lead us. We either respond to His voice and turn, or God has to use beat and bridle and drag us before we turn. But either way, right, God desires us to follow. And the question is, do we really want to be led that way? And this is the first thing. Very often, it is not that God is not leading His people. It is not that God is not leading His church. It is not that God is not leading His cell groups. God all the while has been leading us. The problem has never been about God. It is that the people sometimes are simply not paying attention to His leading. That we sometimes are so distracted by the things that's in our life, we give the excuse that because I have a lot of things on my plate, I will let this thing go and I will just do my own thing. God has always been leading. The problem often is us not paying attention to the fact that He's leading us. So that's the first thing. Like the leaders told the people of Israel, stay alert, don't get so caught up in the things that you're supposed to do so that when the people of God, the leading sheep left and then you are left behind. And you're like, can you imagine you do your king, or feed the baby, feed the baby, feed the baby, you finish, okay, finally finish, you look up, everybody gone, left behind. Right? That's not what we want. And the second thing, not only do we supposed to stay alert, stay alert to make sure we are aware of what God is doing in our life, in our churches, so that we can 
flow and participate. The second thing that God, that Joshua at the time told the rest of the people is that you need to surrender, you need to be ready, you need to be surrendered, to be available for God to work through, for God to work among us. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, Leaders finish, okay, individually, that's what you need to do. Then all gather, Joshua address everybody. This is the main thing, right? Tomorrow, something will happen. Tomorrow, something will happen in your life. Tomorrow, something has prepared something for your family. Tomorrow, God has prepared something for the church. The Lord has prepared something for us, a plan for us. But the plan typically is future, right? God has prepared something and it's there. And then he says, consecrate yourself. When? Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself. Tomorrow, God will do something. But when do you consecrate yourself? Today. You consecrate, you avail, you prepare, you sanctify, you get yourself ready today because God is trying to do something tomorrow. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among us. This is what the passage say. You prepare yourself fully today if you really believe God has prepared something for you tomorrow. But sometimes we are like that. God say, I will have you tomorrow. Good. You bring me there first. Then I start thinking whether I want to prepare. Right? Say, God, I want to prepare. Example, okay, it's going to be a revival in River Life. Amen? Okay, you're not excited. There's going to be a revival in River Life. Right? And if you really believe in that, where does the wineskin come from? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if today God bring a thousand people coming to know God through the doors of the church in just six months? Revival. Are you honestly confident that we will be able to enfold and take care of all 1,000 of them? Revival, right? Not one, not two, a thousand. But the problem is this. A lot of time we come together and say, God, we want revival. God, we want revival. But we never prepare ourselves anticipating that God will really bring that revival. This is like, you know, the, the joke, right? That you pray for rain, but you never bring your umbrella. You say, God, I pray for rain. God, I pray for rain. Like, we want rain. And then you go out, I don't need bring umbrella. One, I got, got rain, then we bring umbrella. You're not anticipating. You're not preparing yourself, surrendering yourself, knowing that God will do something tomorrow. I still remember when I first started studying, as, as what Pastor Ben mentioned, I was in the university. I first started studying in the Bible school, fresh grad out of Bible, out of university. I graduated, can count the year lah, eh? I graduated 2005 and I started my Bible college education 2005. It took me five years to get my first master's. And then after five years, then I started teaching. Then from that point until today, I'm still studying. I'm doing my doctorate for ministry right now. And that has been a good 18 years of my life. But the thing is this, when I first started studying, I was just a regular cell leader in church. Imagine, uh, at that time, if I'm not wrong, right, it was roughly this size, 1,000, 1,000, 2,000 plus. 
Okay, and I was just seated. Some of us like cell leader, raise your hand. Okay, somewhere there. Okay, cell leader. I was a regular cell leader in church, and all I had right was that I felt caught that I need to teach. I have no idea do what, like teach where, do what kind of thing, teach in what places. I don't know. I just felt strongly I am supposed to teach a regular cell leader. Nothing spectacular. I was not like, wow, you're going to be a high-level zone leader. I was just a regular cell leader. And then you're supposed to teach. And then I'm there. Okay, I have two choices, right? Okay, one, when God brings me there, then I start preparing. Or two, God, you say one, huh? I trust that you will bring me there. But for me to do that, I must be ready when you call. So I spent the next five years of my life studying out of my own pocket because I was not sent. I just went on my own. I have to pay myself through my Bible school while I was fresh grad, preparing to marry, having my first kid. And some of you know the story, right? And that's the reason why I don't have insurance. I, don't, I can't afford. I have to make a choice. Do I really believe that God wants to use me? If yes, I must invest to prepare today. I cannot say, oh, invest, yeah, but no money. But never mind, then wait until you got money, then I do. Lor. The question is, do you really believe that God will do amazing things in your life and in the church? If you really believe, you can prove it by preparing yourself today. You don't wait for the thing to come and then you start preparing. You prove that you believe God will do amazing things among us. You prove the fact that I believe that this vision given by God will come to pass. How? You prove it by preparing yourself today. You avail yourself today for the work that God will do among us tomorrow. You prepare yourself today for the work you believe God will do among us tomorrow. Are you anticipating what God will do? Some of us, perhaps, you feel a call for something. Some of us, you felt that God is leading you towards a place. I still remember I was a, we have a student in church, right? He told me that that's 12 years ago. 12 years ago, he felt very strongly in her heart that God is calling her to missions to Japan. But she keep on putting it aside because, oh, I got aging parents, because I cannot, because I don't think I can. I said, why didn't you just start? Why didn't you just learn the language? Why don't you just learn the culture? Why don't you just prepare yourself fully? You will never know God calling you, but you will never know when you will go. Why don't you prove to yourself that I believe God will use me for missions in Japan by preparing myself as much as I can so that when God eventually sent, I'm ready to go. It's not like God said, go tomorrow. Okay, scramble. Use YouTube, how to learn Japanese in three simple weeks. Right? Do you actually believe what God will do to, for you tomorrow? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to verse 21. In a large house, there, is, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and of clay, some for special purposes and some for common use. This is describing the church. In a church, there are different kinds of utensils. Remember, let's, 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 let's throw it out the window. Huh? That it's not about the value. It's not that like some are more valuable, some are not worthy, some are not. It's not about the value. It's saying that in a house, right, we typically don't ha we have a set of utensils for special occasion. Right? Like, oh, candlelight dinner, you have a particular set. 
Okay, regular time, anything also okay. Doesn't matter. Plastic also can, no, no problem. It's like regular, don't have to be so special. But a special occasion, you purposely use special. That is what is pointing out. It's not talking about the value of the utensil. It's talking about the specialness of the utensil. And then it says they are different. In a church, there are different kinds of utensil. Some, anything also okay. Some are the people who are of gold and silver. Those who have cleansed themselves from the latter will be instrument for special purposes. God can use everyone in the church. Amen? But God can specially use the people who prepare themselves. Also, amen? God can use anyone. The joke is always, right? God can use two kinds of people to help Pastor Ernie have patience. Right? Two kinds of people. One will be her, his mentor who come and say, hey, Pastor Annie, you know, I know that guy, uh, wow, really, really hard, but you must be patient. That's one way, right? God can use that one person to encourage Pastor Ernie to be, to be patient. God can also use some of us to make him frustrated so that he act out and then the person will come along and be patient, be patient, be patient, right? God can use two kinds of people. The question is, which kind do you want to be? God can use every one of us for His purposes. God can use Judas. God can use Peter. The question is, do you really want to be used like a Judas? God still used him, but against His will. And yet, use, God also used Peter, Paul, the rest of the apostles, because they prepared themselves to be used in a special way. It's not the value. It is about, because I prepared myself, I dedicate, I surrendered. I am ready to do whatever the Lord says. So God can tell me and use me that way. The other group is just doing their own thing, so God will use them in another way. There are two kinds of people. Those who have prepared themselves will be instruments of special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Basically, you are ready to do whatever the Lord says because you avail and you prepare in advance. You are ready to go wherever you are needed. And this is what the Lord wants to remind some of us as we prepare for these sermons, this whole entire vision series. It is one thing, right, to stand here and say, God, we want to see revival. Like, like every time, for example, Ukraine war, COVID, it's very easy to stand in the safety of our church and start praying, God, I pray you will do this. God, I pray you will do that. God, I pray you will stop the war. God, I pray for world peace. We're not saying these are not good. We are just saying it is often very easy to stand on the spectator stand and just pray. The issue is not that prayer is not important. The issue is we just pray. It is one thing to just pray for God to act in our life, in our churches, in our family. It's another to say, God, I'm ready to be the answer of the prayer. It's one thing to say, God, I want you. This is true, right? One thing, God, I want you to pray and do something about the Ukraine war and the, and the Russia war. It's another thing, God, use me. We have, we have really members who actually took leave, went all the way to Poland just to serve because of this. It is one thing to just stand here, God, I pray for this, I pray for this, I pray for this, I pray for revival, I pray for revival. It's another to say, God, I want to be the answer to bring revival. I want to be the one. What do you need me to do? God, I'm willing to start preparing now so that when revival comes, I will be ready. It is one thing to pray for God to act. It's another to make yourself available for God to act through. God wants to work through His church. 
God doesn't want, when, when, if there's a needy person among us, let's say, God doesn't want to drop money from heaven to the person's lap. God wants to send the money to you, to you, to you, to you, so that as a church, we help that brother. But we sometimes pray, right? We are a needy person among us. God, we pray that you will supply the needs. And in our mind, right, we are thinking the money will just drop out somewhere. Right? God wants to bless all of us so that we will end up being the answer to that needy person among us. It is one thing to pray for God to act, it's another to be ready. The last thing, very quickly. The last thing, one, remember, we must be alert. God is moving, we must stay alert, don't get distracted. Second, before the thing starts, we must avail ourselves, prepare ourselves, anticipate that God will do. I want to be ready and be ready when what I have to do, whatever I'm caught to do if I'm caught. And finally, for some of us, you need to be willing to move on ahead. You need to be willing to move on ahead. Joshua chapter 3, verse 6 to verse 8. This is Joshua's instructions to the priest. Joshua's instruction to the priest said, you must be willing to move on ahead. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead. Walk in front. And, and, and when, when I saw this word, right, walk ahead, right, pass on ahead, I'm immediately reminded. Every time my wife will tell me this, I like to walk among my kids because there's a lot of them, like a lot of sheep running around. I like to walk among them. But a lot of times, right, we go to a kappa, we go to a place, I am more directional savvy. I know roughly where I am. My wife is clueless one, right? And my children, obviously gone case, right? And then I will always like, my preference is to stay among them and say, uh, go in front, uh, turn left here, turn left here. My wife will always say, why don't you just walk on why don't you just walk on ahead? They have never been here before. You from behind, turn left, turn right, go front, uh, go forward, forward, forward. Like, why don't you just walk on ahead? And they will know where to go. So Joshua told the priest, take the out of the covenant, pass on ahead. So they took it, went ahead. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will do these things. Tell the priest who carry the out of the covenant, when you stand, when you reach the edge of the Jordan River, don't wait for the miracle to happen, you go on and stand in the river. You don't wait and say, God, come on, wait here. Huh? Okay, don't get my shoe wet, okay? I'm waiting for it to part. God, I walk in, nothing happened, huh? I'm going to drown. Like. Right? The people say, God said, God told, if Joshua told the priest, you reach there, don't hesitate, just go in. Don't just wait there and pray for some miracle that it will just disappear, the problem disappear, everything gone, then you walk comfortably in the river. No, you walk on and you step into the river. You go in and stand in the river. Then the miracle will happen. You prove that you believe that a miracle will happen. Why? By moving on and stepping into the river. You don't hesitate and say, God, maybe, are you sure you will act? I'm not sure. What if I say already, I tell my life group, I tell my cell group, that never happened, how? We walk on and stand in. And then the miracle will happen. Walk on ahead. Maybe there are some people among us, there are people that you are leading. And the reality is this, and some of us are leaders, your parents, you're leading your family, you're leading your groups. The reality is that sometimes, right, they are afraid. They have never been here before. And the truth is, you are just as afraid. Right? I am just as afraid as my children. 
But some of us who are leaders especially, I would like to speak especially with leaders and parents, sometimes the people that we are leading need us to step on ahead. I know you are afraid. I know, right? Especially in the COVID, right? In the COVID season, no one knows what to do. Pastor Ben also don't know what to do. Right? No one knows. But we just need to step on ahead because the people we are leading need us to walk on ahead. And sometimes for some of the problems and the challenges you are facing, sometimes, right, you are waiting outside. You know it is there. The issues are there. You know the, the issues between your marriages are there. You know the challenges with your children are there. You know your work is there. You know there's something in the cell group you have to address. You know it's there. And you are thinking, right, maybe I pray very hard that it will disappear. Then I don't need to do anything. Right? I pray that maybe, you know, God, trust God, trust God, trust God. Maybe today, right, God is really encouraging you. Can you trust that I will be with you and you go on and walk in and step into the problem? Step into the challenges and then you wait for the amazing things that will happen. You don't wait outside, you step in. You step into the challenges that you are facing. Step in first. Do not be discouraged, some of us. Do not be discouraged for some of us if you are really called upon by God to just walk on alone for a while for a short season so that the people behind you can decide to follow. For some of us, maybe for some of us, you need to be encouraged to just walk on and take a few steps forward and go straight in while the people behind you are looking at your back and say, I think it can be done. Maybe for some of us as leaders, the people that you are leading need to see your back. They need to see that you are walking on ahead so that through you, they can derive courage. Maybe this can be done. Maybe what God told us about our ministry, about our church really can come to pass because this one guy, this one leader is walking ahead, trusting in the promises of God. Maybe I can too. Then one by one. Then one by one. Don't have to force. Don't have to lie. No mind, you don't, you don't believe. Ah. Never mind, I wait for you. Right? You, you wait for me, I wait for you, everybody will just stay there. Everybody will just stay there. You don't know to go, I don't know to go. Come on, go, go, I don't want to, I don't want to, come on, come on. You do that, right? Nobody will move. For some of us, maybe special situation, maybe for some of us, even parents, for example, leading your family, leaders, maybe some of us just need to walk on ahead. We are not saying neglect them. Remember, still one eye forward, one, but you still need to notice and make sure they don't get lost but you just need to walk on ahead. You just need to walk on ahead. So as we wrap up this morning, as we wrap up this morning, following God into the unknown, going forward to this whole entire 2023, we just first started, second week only, right? Children enter the school, new job, new relationship, new ministries. We are going, following God into the unknown and through the passage, we are told and we learn that first we need to be alert. God is leading us. God will lead us. God will lead us individually as a church. There will not be status quo. The question is just whether we are paying attention. Second, we must be surrendered. If you really believe God is a God of purposes, we have to prove our faith by preparing ourselves today. You don't wait until tomorrow. Some of us maybe, right, it is off the cover. Maybe some of us needs to prepare for full-time ministry. 
because the church will need you one day. Amen? The church will need to, the church will give you a call one day and say, can you come in? I, I came into the office when I already graduated. I spent all my time preparing, thinking that there will be something. I have no idea what it is. By the time my pastor called, I already finished my studies. Maybe some of us might be like that. You need to believe that God will do amazing tasks, amazing things through the church. And finally, be willing to move on ahead. As we close, right, there's two particular group of people I would like to specifically speak to. As we were worshipping this morning, uh, it's just my habit that I don't, like, I don't like to prepare for this. As we were worshipping this morning, right, I, I sense two groups of people that God really wants to speak to today. The first group. The first group, right, what I sense in my heart is this word, stay. Not that you are supposed to stay. Not that you are supposed to stay. But that in your heart, that is the temptation that you are grappling with. And the reality is this, you are tired. You are tired of all the changes. Maybe you are in church for a long time, you have a lot of changes in your life. Maybe you are going changes after changes. Maybe the last three years have took a toll on you. And in your spirit, whenever you hear like Pastor Ben say, oh, next year we have a vision Sunday, we're going to do something. And in your heart, right, it's not excitement. It's not like, yes, we have been waiting for this for I don't know how long. We want to know what God is doing. And in your heart, you're saying, again? And in your heart, right, the thing that you are grappling with and you're tempting to do is that, can't we just stay here? That's what is moving in your heart. God is sending you to an overseas posting. God is leading you to a new ministry. Your leaders have spoken to you to do something different. And then in your spirit, maybe not in your face, your face will say, I'll pray about it. But in your spirit, you know. In your spirit, the voice that's calling out to you is, why can't I just stay? Remember, right in the beginning of the sermon, I reminded you, the promised land was not on the eastern side it's on the western side but two and a half tribe asked Moses why can't we stay why can't I just stay here comfortable predictable and, and as I was listening to this voice in the heart I was grappling I, I want to assure you that the voice that I heard was not a voice of rebuke was not a voice of, of like disdain is a voice of a shepherd the Lord understands you are tired the Lord understands that this change takes a toll on you the Lord understands that you, you feel unsettled but the Lord also wants to remind you I am moving on I'm going on ahead the Lord wants to remind you, come follow. I know it's going to be difficult. I know. You must trust that as you follow, you will draw strength. Amen? That as you follow, you will draw the strength. But I cannot, I will not lie to you that, hey, don't worry, lah, right? Easy. It's not going to be like breeze in the park. It's going to take a while. You're going to continue to feel that strain. But the Lord wants to remind you, after we left, I am no longer there. After we go, we will no longer be there. And these are the two words that's in my heart just now. That if we stay, we will feel comfortable, we will feel secure, but you will just be left with memories about God.
because God is no longer there. God moved on. You will just be left with your past memories, what God did in your life. God was past tense there. You'll be left with memories about what God had done rather than participate with God in what He is, present tense, doing. You will be left with memories. You will be left with echoes. God is talking ahead and all you are hearing is two, four, five, ten days later, you will no longer feel and hear the fresh voice of the leading because the Lord went ahead. And this is the Lord's encouragement. It's not a rebuke. It's God reminding you there are consequences for staying behind. The Lord said, I understand it's tough, but let's move on together. I will strengthen you for the journey ahead. Amen. And the second group of people, the Lord wants to speak to all some of us today. I saw this image, right? That you're on the edge of the river, one leg in, and you can imagine already, one leg out. You're like the priest. You reach the edge of where God is leading you, the new thing. Remember, cross the Jordan River, new thing. And you're doing this. One leg in, because I still want to test, test what God is doing but one leg still in the past. One leg still thinking, if this thing doesn't work out, I can always do this. God lead you into a new ministry, a new job, but you're thinking maybe I can just test, test and see whether what, this is really true. God said you'll be there, but God, are you sure? But what if you don't happen? What if you don't, what if you don't act? Well, I, oh, I better, I better have some security somewhere else so that if this doesn't work out, I can always come back to what I am secure. Maybe it's not a decision. Maybe it's just your heart. Physically, you are already forward, but your heart is still in the past. Physically, you're already in the new ministry, but you're always, but how I wish I'm still here. Like, isn't it like Israel? Physically, in the promised land, but the heart, some of them still in Egypt. How I wish we could go back. And this is the image that the Lord may be giving to some of us. One leg forward, one leg back. And the message the Lord wants for some of us is this. Lift up your leg and stand in the river. If you are very serious and you truly believe that this is where God is leading you, you have assurance already. I understand, right? It's very vulnerable. <laughs> I have done that before. Right? Some of you know, right? I was part-time in the church office and part-time in the Bible school. This represents a 40% pay cut with two new kids coming along. And I did that for a number of years. A lot of people thought that, wow, you're very godly, you do both things. No, 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 no. I know every time they praise me for my faithfulness, something grips me within. I didn't do this because I want to do both. I'm doing this because I'm afraid of this. What if it doesn't work out? 40% pay cut with a two new kid coming along is no joke. Eh? We already don't have savings. This is going to be crazy. Eh? And I go in and say, God, what if it doesn't work out? At least I still have this. I can always tell my pastor, Pastor, I will, I'm decided to come back. No, I just pray about it. I decided to come back. I can always do that. But the moment I do this, no turning back already. Eh? This is it. I mean, I can still ask, but 
There's no turning back. This is it already. I'm going to put the Lord's promises to the test. You sure better provide for me. And some of us are doing this. You want some form of security so that you know I can always come back. But maybe the Lord is waiting for you to leave that foot and stand in that river before the amazing things will happen. And the church will lead us and lead the church going forward in some amazing things. Maybe a lot of us need to start taking the foot out of your past. We used to have these glory days. We used to do this. We used to do that. Maybe we really need to remove it and stand just where God is doing today. Amen. Even as I was listening to Pastor David just now and, and the Lord was speaking to me as well and the, the picture of, uh, of this uh, emotionally, the Lord has spoken to many of us here and that there's this, this feeling of I want to stay where I am right now. And then there's the, there's the other group as well that um, the, the Lord has spoken to you and you're taking this one step. But another step is in security, it's in comfort zone. So right now, I want to pray for you. Can I invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads, please? I feel that today, there are three groups that the Lord is calling to respond and say yes. Not to stay, but to say yes. And not to stay in both places, but to move into one place. There are three groups here. And the first group are those of you here God has spoken to you already about taking this step. And you are almost about to do it already. And in a while's time, I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to pray for you. And some of you have been asked to take on a new role in ministry. You're just about to say yes or no. Some of you here have actually, the Lord has asked you, to make this decision to propose to your to your girlfriend or to your boy or to your girlfriend. To take on that new job. To sign for that BTO flat. God has spoken to you already, and you're on the verge of making that decision. But somehow you, you, you want to stay and just what if it doesn't work out? The second group here are those of you here that God has spoken to you in the next season of your life that maybe you're going to go full-time and that right now to start preparing for that. God has spoken to you for, some, for others of you. One day you'll be serving in the non-profits with the poor, for example. Start preparing right now. It's not like you, you cross the Jordan right now, but it's to prepare for this next chapter of your life. God has spoken to you already, but you're not preparing. In fact, you're drifting right now. You say, God, is so far away. The third group God is calling today are those of you who are parents and who are cell leaders. And I want to pray for you as well. The Lord is calling you this year to take that step of faith, to step forward. 
God is calling some of you as parents, as cell leaders, for parents that this is the year that we're going to build a family altar. No more delaying already. For others of you as, a, as parents, God is calling you to speak the gospel to your children, very young children, not so young children, to speak the gospel to your children and take the step of faith. And all these talks are not Bible college trained, but God's calling you already. And for cell leaders, God is impressing upon you something for your cell group this year already, some emphasis. But you're not sure, Lord, is it, is it, is it your voice? Maybe, maybe I'm hearing you wrongly, Lord. So these three groups, in a while's time, I'm going to invite you to stand up. I'm going to pray for all of you. The first group are those of you, you're on the verge of something new. And God has spoken to you already. And the second group are those God have given you a picture of the future to prepare for that future and start today. And the third group are the, the parents and the cell leaders here. God has spoken to you. And today is the time to respond. Say, Lord, I'm going to obey you. The other foot's going to go in. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask these three groups to stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Number one, number the first group, this new decision. Number two, uh, the second group are those for the future. Number three are the parents and CLs. So one, two, you ready? Three, let's stand up. These three groups, let's stand together, wherever you are. Is there anybody else? The first group, God has spoken to you about something. It's a new thing. It's a new decision. The second group are those God has spoken to you about the future. Start preparing right now. And the third group are parents, are cell leaders. Okay, this group here, uh, could you please raise both your hands to the Lord? Surrender. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow God will do a, a great thing amongst. Father, I pray. I pray for those who are standing up. Their hands are open. Their hearts are open. Father, for this, this, this decision, this decision they are, ma they are making in the valley of decision. And Lord, Give them all that is needed to cross over in this new calendar year. Let today be a new day, Lord, where they step out in faith, trusting in You, not neglecting their responsibilities, but looking at You. Because Lord, when You move, we, we will move as well. And we, we commit this decision into Your good hands. And we will not be double-minded about this. We will not overthink it. But Lord, we're going to trust in You. We're going to walk in faith in this decision. And that's the first group, Lord, we pray for. Lord, give this group a double portion of Your anointing. They will step forward in faith. And the second group, Heavenly Father, You're preparing them for a, a future journey. 
Some will be missionaries in the future. Some will be full-time staff, full-time in equipping others that the saints will rise up to do great exploits. And some in future will be serving, will be working, starting businesses, cultivating, being stewards of their life and their gifts to make a difference wherever you place these ones. But today is a season of preparation, a season of training. And I pray, Lord, you train our hands that we'll have the skills to make a difference in the future. Train our skills, train our hearts, shape our character, Lord. All the rough edges, all the areas that gives it a trouble to work with other people. Lord, refine me, refine us that our heart and our hands Lord, are ready to be a sharp instrument for your kingdom in the years to come. Lord, we need to get discipled, to get mentored and to get trained to make a difference. Thank you for calling us, Lord. And thirdly, I'm praying for parents first and then cell leaders. Father, I pray for every father, every mother here. You've made us stewards of the young lives in our households. And, and we are stewarding these young lives for a season where they are like wet cement and cause my spouse and I to imprint your heart onto each young life, to nurture each young life, to have reverential fear of the living God, to turn their hearts to love the living God, our loving Father. Cause my spouse and I to love you with all our hearts because our children will love who we love. Our children will serve who we serve. So anoint every parent here because raising children in these perilous times is such a challenging calling. So we pray for your grace upon every parent that's standing. Lord, we need your grace and your mercy to shape lives, to be humble, to ask for forgiveness from our children and to continue leading and serving and loving. Father, finally, I pray for all our cell leaders. I pray for all our cell leaders standing up. And I pray they will stand up for, for you every day. For those who are tired and those who have faced disappointments and discouragements and failures. We thank you, Lord, that when we are weak, that you are strong. That your power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And in this new ministry year, would you raise us up that we before seven times we will get up by your grace and walk with you and serve your people. We pray for every single cell leader here. Lord, that they are in the care of people's souls. Lord, that we serve up Jesus into their lives every day. We intercede every single day. We carry the souls 
in praying unto you every day that every single person is connected to a mature believer to spiritual parents and that in this family no one is neglected everyone can grow to become more like Jesus I want to pray Father before I close this time for every cell group in River Life Church and cell groups that are healthy and thriving cell, cell groups that are just making it and cell groups that are floundering struggling and Father I pray Lord raise up a new generation of cell leaders and cell members raise up people in River Life Church whose hearts are sold out to you a hundred percent raise them up Lord to partner with our cell leaders Lord to build safe houses and little families within this family that people can find shelter and find safety and find a place where we can thrive and flourish spiritually, emotionally in all aspects of our lives Lord, build up these missional communities where people can find spiritual siblings and spiritual parents and they can love and be loved. They can know and be known. Raise up in our house, Lord. These little flocks and communities all over, different age groups, different life stations, that everyone will have a place in this house. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all of us say, Amen. Would you stand together, please? Would you open your hands and to receive from the Lord? May the love of our Father and the grace of His Son and the enduring presence of His Spirit accompany you, overflow in your life, your household, your offices, your cell groups, all the spheres of your life that the river of God's presence will find you, overtake you, overwhelm you, overflow in your life, into all the spheres of your life, that you will not be the same again. Lord, do your work in us. We praise you in Jesus' name. All of us say, Amen. God bless all of you. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.